Welcome to the Losing Weight with Fasting and Mindful Eating Podcast. I am your host, Monika Banach, an advanced practice nurse and a weight loss coach. I am so grateful for you taking the time to listen to today's episode. Welcome to episode 9. In this episode, I will discuss my 5-day fasting challenge results, how to prepare for a 5-day fast, the benefits of fasting, what happens in your body on each day of your fast, things you should be aware of while fasting, and knowing when to stop and when to push through. And I will also touch on refeeds as they are a key part of fasting. Everything discussed here is based on personal knowledge and experience. None of this is medical advice. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician with any questions you may have. So there has been a lot of requests for me to discuss my five-day fasting challenge I have done several of these five-day fasts over the last year and a half, and I can certainly say that I've learned a lot each time, and most of the time my body has responded differently to each fast. I want to start off by mentioning who shouldn't fast. Fasting is not for everyone, and it includes people that are very thin, anyone with BMI under 18 or if you're trying to currently get pregnant or are pregnant or breastfeeding. Also, according to scientific studies, I just recently learned this, fasting is not recommended for people with metastatic cancers, cancers that have its own blood supply. But if the cancer does not have its own blood supply, fasting is actually recommended. Also, anyone with eating disorders such as anemia or bulimia should not fast as fasting can make these conditions worse. Also, if you have never fasted more than 24 hours before, you probably shouldn't jump straight into a five-day fast. Maybe start with doing like a 24-hour fast, then do a 48-hour fast, and maybe a 72-hour fast to kind of get your brain used to fasting. Because fasting can be a stressor in the body, And fasting, it's kind of like a muscle. The more you fast, the easier it gets because most of it is mental. When you realize that you will not starve yourself or die because you didn't eat one day, you'll be able to go into it with more peace and confidence. Trust me, I felt like that when I first started fasting. I didn't think it was possible to go one day and not die from not eating, let alone not drink all day. I thought it was crazy till I tried it myself. So always educate yourself, experiment, don't just listen to people. Experiment, learn, knowledge is power. So I decided to do this five-day fast because five days is kind of the sweet spot because it usually takes about three days to overcome hunger and fat adapt. And then day four And five, most people feel better and they can see all the amazing benefits they get from the massive rise in stem cells. Just like with 
everything else, fasting should not be overused because too much autophagy can actually work against you. I think diet variation, kind of like what Dr. Pompa talks about, is the best way to do it. And alternating between high protein days, low protein days, low calorie, and just constantly creating metabolic confusion and keeping the body guessing so it forces adaptation. My plan is to incorporate about three or four of these five-day fasts per year just to keep my body healthy and optimized. So some of the benefits of fasting include autophagy. I'm sure you've heard what autophagy is. There's been a lot of talk about it. It's basically just getting rid of bad cells in your body. And getting rid of bad cells is a key because a lot of our cells live way too long and they can cause inflammation and those cells can turn into cancer as well. The obvious one is weight loss. I think majority of people end up fasting because of weight loss. Cellular detoxification, reduce insulin resistance. Fasting helps boost metabolism. It helps with sleep. It helps with healing. It also balances hormones. And this is going to be my next, probably my next couple podcasts. I want to discuss the female cycle and thyroid health as there seems to be a lot of confusion about it and fasting. Fasting is muscle sparing. It increases growth hormone. It helps fight inflammation, helps to get rid of cancer cells, increases mental clarity. It's anti-aging and also helps to break addictions like coffee, alcohol, cigarettes, Supposedly, a 72-hour fast is the best for breaking addiction. So the average American is eating between 7 and 21 times per day. We have over 70% of our population that is overweight or obese. The constant eating spikes your insulin throughout the day, which in turn increases your risk of diseases and shortens your life. The key here is not to eat less, but to eat less often in order to create the opposite effect and live longer and a healthier life. The two recent five-day fasts that I did were quite similar, except one of the fasts I walked 10 miles per day, and the other fast I walked 20 miles per day. I did this extreme amount of walking to prove to you guys to do like a little experiment that slow, steady cardio while in ketosis is a game changer. You can burn up to one pound for every two miles walked while in ketosis, while dry fasted. This is an an estimate, obviously. It's based on my results and it will vary from person to person. Fasting alone is great, but the walking is what truly incinerates the fat burning effect. I did not do any weight training as that can affect your sleep and you can actually pull a muscle while dry fasting. So no weight training, just slow walking. So during the five-day fast where I walked 10 miles per day, I lost 17 pounds. And during the five-day fast where I walked 20 miles per day, I 
did almost double. I lost thirty-two pounds. Some of that weight is definitely water and intestinal weight products, obviously. So I usually subtract about ten pounds to compensate for the bloat and water weight. So how do you prepare for five-day fast? There isn't a specific prep if you're doing snake juice fast, which snake juice just means you're drinking water with electrolytes. Usually about one teaspoon of potassium chloride from no salt and half a teaspoon of pink Himalayan salt for the sodium chloride. And you just mix that in two liters of water. When I do a snake juice fast, I usually add some mint leaves or a little bit of fresh lemon to just make it taste a little bit better. There, there are so many different recipes for snake juice. You can add some baking soda or magnesium to it as well. But most important thing is that you have to supplement, at least add some sodium from pink Himalayan salt so you don't pee out all of your electrolytes because that can make you feel really terrible And it can also be dangerous and cause like heart palpitations or other dysrhythmias. Sodium is potassium sparing. So if you at least have enough sodium in your body, you will not lose potassium. This is extremely important. People are so afraid of salt these days. And yes, table, plain table salt can be bad, especially for people with high blood pressure. But the pink Himalayan salt has a lot of great benefits. And most of us are actually low in sodium. That's why we feel tired and groggy all the time. A common question that often arises is how much water should I be drinking during a snake juice fast? And my answer is always, it depends on you. Don't stress about it. Don't overthink it. Just drink when you're thirsty. This can be based on the level of your activity, depending how hot it is where you live. I live in the humid Tennessee, so I probably tend to drink a little bit more. So I would say anywhere from one to two liters is more than plenty. The five-day fast that I did was a semi-dry fast where I did not drink water. I do not recommend doing five-day dry fast if you've never experimented with dry fast or you haven't done the appropriate prep, which I'll talk about here later. I will not go into the benefits or the details of dry fasting here because that's a whole other podcast topic. And there's so much misinformation about dry fasting. And, you know, we're so conditioned to just gulp water all day long. And yes, I also thought I'm going to die without drinking water for one day or go into like multi-organ failure. Well, I'm still alive and doing exceptionally well. Thank you for asking. So look up Dr. Filanov. He's a Russian doctor. He uses, he has a clinic in Russia where he uses dry fasting in his clinic to heal wide variety of diseases. Obviously, you should not be dry fasting if you have certain diseases or, or medications and stuff like that. And you should always consult your doctor before you do so. And dry fasting is used more for healing and inflammation because in a dry fast, the body eliminates toxins in different ways than normal. Instead of removing the toxins from like urine or your bowels or kidneys, liver and skin, the body turns 
each into a high-power incinerator, and the toxins are burned up inside of each and every cell. So during a dry fast, the body survives on what it's called endogenous or metabolic water, which the metabolic water is produced by body cells, and it is the highest quality of water. Inflammation cannot exist without water. All harmful organisms or microorganisms need water to survive. So dry fasting kind of forces the body to obtain water from cells. That's why damaged cells and like fat deposits, edemas, and tumors are eliminated faster. Like one day of a dry fast is equivalent to three days of water fast because the process is so much more intense. But again, I would not start with a dry fast if you've never done a 24-hour dry fast or prepped accordingly. So if you're going for dry fast, you have to hydrate two to three days before starting with at least one to two gallons of water per day with electrolytes. You want to make sure that you are putting electrolytes in your water so you're not peeing out all your electrolytes with that much water that you're drinking. So what this does, it helps to downregulate the hormone aldosterone. The science behind this is that it downregulates the hormone aldosterone, which is associated with water retention, with obesity, inflammation, insulin resistance, metabolic syndrome, and hypertension. So if you want to trick the body into thinking it has plenty of fat and water stores, then change things up on occasion. You don't ever want to let your body get lazy and comfortable and complacent. You want to change things up unexpectedly to keep it highly adaptable and resilient to stress. This is also what happens when people talk about the whoosh effect. When you trick your body into getting rid of the water, what you get is ultra rapid weight loss and quicker onset of ketosis on a dry fast. So doing this mega hydration, even actually before you do a snake juice or water fast, is not a bad idea. So another thing with a dry fast, you have to take your kidney shot before you start and when you break your dry fast. So the kidney shot is just basically one teaspoon of baking soda and a little bit of apple cider vinegar in about eight ounces of water. And you drink that to alkalinize and protect your kidneys. And this also prevents you from getting kidney stones from the acidity in your body. You just want to make sure when you break your dry fast, you don't want to drink your baking soda with food because then the baking soda is going to alkalize your stomach acids and it will be hard for you to digest food because you do want stomach acids in order to digest food properly. You can also start with a couple of days dry fast and then transition into water fast or snake juice fast, but you do not want to start with a water fast and then go into a dry fast. Because according to Dr. Filinov, the Russian doctor, this actually weakens the body and will not enhance uh, healing effect. I'll put his link to the interview he did on YouTube. It's all in Russian, but it's translated in English. So you guys can watch it. Very interesting. So 
another thing is if you don't normally walk at all, start building up your miles. 10 miles is a lot. I'm not even going to mention 20 miles. And, you know, let's say you're doing the 10 miles, split it out throughout the day. Easy walks, you know, three miles per hour, nothing crazy. Make sure you have good walking shoes. I would change mine out on every walk and keep my feet dry. I also use anti-chafing balm on my heels and in between my toes or any areas of increased friction. You want to prevent blisters from forming at all costs because once you get a blister, you're done. I mean, you, you'll be done walking. And always listen to your body. You know, you want to know the normal signs of detox symptoms and when you pushed too hard and you need to stop. I'll discuss that here in a minute. I also recommend before you start a fast, maybe eat low carb a few days before starting so that the transition from carb burning to fat burning is smoother. I also did cold baths at the end of the day. Oh my gosh, they were amazing. I used to hate them at the beginning because it's uncomfortable, but now I just love, love that. Hormesis and good stressors on your body are amazing. So try it out. Be extraordinary and face that fear of cold water. It's awesome. It helps with inflammation. It eases sore and achy muscle. It helps with fat burning and you will sleep like a baby after it. I'm going to go over what you can expect on each day of your fast. I also have a post on my Instagram if you want a copy of this. It's labeled what to expect during a five-day fast. It's like a blue and reddish background. And my Instagram is fit.fat.hotaf. So on day one, It is normal to feel weak. It's normal to feel hungry, hangry, tired. Your tongue might have a little bit of a yellow or white coating. That's usually a first sign of ketosis. You might have a bad breath. You can just brush your tongue or maybe use like a tongue scraper. I have used like oil pulling before to kind of help get rid of that. The more you fast and the more you detox, you will not have that keto breath, that bad breath. I personally actually don't have that anymore because I've fasted so many times. If you're not fat adapted, you might feel hangry, shaky. You might have a headache, feeling irritable, nauseous. Those are all signs of your body switching from glycogen to fat burning mode. Some people can also get a rash as the body's trying to get rid of toxins, something called keto rash, not abnormal. Again, drink when you're thirsty, don't overthink it. And with every fast, you will experience deeper healing. And you know, everyone heals at a different rate. Some people have really bad toxins releasing from their body, and they might only tolerate one or two days of fasting. You've got to listen to your body and do what it tells you. On day two, day two is usually the hardest day for majority of people, including myself. All those symptoms from day one might be exaggerated, like headache, feeling tired, shaky, irritable, hangry. 
You'll see food, and you will want it. Like you'll see food everywhere. It's gonna drive you crazy. The best way is to keep yourself distracted. Maybe go for a walk, take a nap, or just go to bed early. A lot of healing and autophagy is happening in your body, including race in the new stem cells. You will feel usually on day two. You will feel worse before you feel better. So just hang in there. It will pass. On day three, you will start overcoming a lot of the symptoms from day one and two. Your ketones will continue to increase. Your growth hormone spikes usually on day three and five. Autophagy is in high gear. And this is where you might experience these weird unexplained pains in the areas where the autophagy stem cells are healing old injured cells. Like I used to get such a bad knee pain and neck pain, and that's where I had like my knee surgery, and I always had neck pain. I would get this throbbing pain on day three and four, and then day five it was all gone. This last fast that I actually did, I did not experience any unexplained pains, especially my knee or my neck. So that's a good sign, I think. Usually on day three, you'll notice increased energy and increased mental focus. You might also feel colder than usual, unless you're doing a dry fast, because fasting lowers your T3 hormone in order to spare muscle and use for energy in your body. Day four. Day four is a breakthrough for a lot of, for most people. Your hormones continue to be optimized, decreased cravings, decreased hunger, increased energy and mental focus. The autophagy is at its high on day four. This is where a lot of internal feelings might also come up. That's why some people say that they feel very, very emotional on day four, and that is normal. You might also experience some sleep disturbances, which could be another sign of your body releasing toxins, especially neurotoxins. And this should get better as the body continues to heal with each fast. Day five, hopefully today you feel amazing. You should have lots of energy. Your body should be utilizing ketones very efficiently. Your growth hormone is at its highest on day five. And also stem production, it's in the high gear. And you, when you refeed, your body actually continues to heal and create new white blood cells. This is why a proper refeed is so, so important. You do not want to ruin your fast with a bad refeed. Make sure you break it properly. I am going to discuss refeeds later in this podcast, but I also have another podcast that talks about refeeds. So make sure you listen to it. So when should you push through and when should you stop your fast? Usually stuff like nausea, it's a symptom of dehydration and electrolyte depletion. That's why you should not be drinking plain water because you will pee out all your electrolytes. You want to make sure you add a little bit of sodium and potassium to your water during your fast, anything over 24 hours. You don't want to be pounding water all day long either. Just just drink when you need it. And 
make sure, you know, depending on what kind of workouts you're doing and how hot it is outside, just listen to your body. Hunger, hunger is, it's going to happen. It's caused by boredom and mental hunger. Your brain will obsess about food. So like I mentioned above, just go get busy, go for a walk, distract yourself. We are so conditioned to eating all day long. Food is everywhere around us. You'll have to, you're going to have to start changing those mental habits and it's not going to happen overnight, especially if you're a binge eater. Headache, feeling tired, moody, irritable, mental fog, lightheadedness. Those are all symptoms due to low sodium. So again, make sure you're getting your electrolytes. Easy fix is just getting some Himalayan pink salt, adding some to your water. Or when I do a dry fast, I put a couple crystals of Himalayan salt under my tongue. And again, sodium is potassium sparing, so will help prevent the loss of potassium. When you start fasting, your insulin levels will drop and this in turn will signal your kidneys to release excess water. So you will pee out a lot of your electrolytes. And same thing, you know, on the opposite, if your blood sugar is high, when you eat crap, your insulin will increase and it will cause water retention. That's why you will feel bloated when you eat crap. Bad breath and heavy coated tongue is the first sign of cleansing and detox. Don't worry about it. This is fine. It means you're burning fat. You can try brushing your teeth more frequently or just use tongue scraper. Eventually, when you detox your body, this will not happen. Muscle weakness. This is caused by glycogen being pulled from the muscle during day one and two of fasting. It is totally normal because you're switching from carb burning using glycogen stores in your liver to fat burning to utilizing fats for stored energy. Feeling cold, it's normal. It is caused by increased blood flow to your body fat areas, your adipose tissue, and moving it to your muscle where it can be burned as fuel. Some people can feel, have some insomnia or feeling anxious. And when you first start fasting, your body will produce adrenaline, which is a regular regulatory hormone. It helps with fat burning and energy. But if your sleep continues to be affected, you should probably break your fast and refeed because sleep is number one. You burn fat while you sleep. You heal when you sleep. So lack of sleep will increase cortisol, the stress hormone, and prevent you from losing weight. So when should you stop your fast? Things like extreme nausea, extreme vomiting, lightheadedness that's not relieved by rehydration and electrolytes. Any type of tight cardio, your heart rate increased over 120, like when you kind of feel like your heart is pounding in your chest. That's a lot of times that's electrolyte imbalances. Any kind of shortness of breath or chest pain, you should definitely stop. Severe diarrhea that's not caused by extra magnesium that you've been putting in your water. And whenever you feel ill, like not like the keto flu, but more like a flu-like symptoms, like when you have fever and chills. 
And of course, if you're if you're new to fasting, take it slow. Your body might need a little extra time to heal. Some people are so toxic that their symptoms can be quite extreme. So always, always listen to your body. Breaking your fast. Refeeds are so important. I actually have another podcast. I think it's episode five, Mastering Refeeds, a podcast that I did with Angelica Lopez. We're discussing our refeeds, OMAD, and so forth. So if you want to if you want more information on refeeds, I would recommend you listen to that episode, episode five. So refeeds are huge. They're so important. You don't want to ruin your fast and all the hard work you did by eating crap. If you just finished a five-day fast, your body did a lot of healing through autophagy. Your gut bacteria is lowered, which is good, so you can fix gut dysbiosis and reintroduce good, healthy bacteria back into your gut. There's also an increased number of stem cells, and you need to feed them with the best possible nutrient-rich foods. Your body is very sensitive right now, and it will absorb everything you give it, the good and the bad. So usually anything like 24 to 36 hour fast, you don't really need any special prescription as far as like breaking your fast. You can just eat whatever you normally eat. Obviously, I recommend healthier types of food. And anything more than 120 hours or more than five days I would kind of do your own research. I don't do long fasts like that anymore. Anything over five days, I don't do. Five days is my max. But if you do, make sure you read about the refeeding syndrome, which is a potentially fatal shift in fluids and electrolytes. This is not as common with people that drink water with electrolytes like sodium and potassium, but it can happen. And what happens is the sudden increase in glucose can cause some of your electrolytes like potassium, magnesium, and phosphorus to shift from outside of the cell to the inside of the cell. So be very gentle with your carbs when you start your refeeds. You want to make sure you're not eating high sugar and just educate yourself because knowledge is power. So mainly what I want to discuss here is the 48 to 120 hour fast, like up to five days. So I usually start with something light, like bone broth. Or if you're vegan, vegetarian, you can do vegetable broth. It is great because it's very nourishing and it helps to wake up your digestive system. I Sometimes I'll do kefir also because it's a great source of probiotics. If you're not sensitive to dairy, this is great for you. You can do some kimchi or sauerkraut if you want to reintroduce some good bacteria into your belly. And then maybe an hour later, have your meal, you know, some cooked veggies, avocado, maybe a small salad, some olive oil. You don't want any junk food, any processed sugar. Take your time eating. Also, if you did a dry fast, you want to make sure you break it with a baking soda to alkalinize your kidneys. And you don't want to drink that baking soda too close to your meal because that can mess up your digestion of food 
because you need gastric acids to digest food properly. You want to avoid anything processed, any high glycemic carbs, fruit juices, alcohol. I can't believe how many people actually drink alcohol on a refeed. Sugar, junk food, also some cruciferous veggies like broccoli and cauliflower, they can cause you some bloating and they're a little bit more difficult to digest. So you can have them later, but maybe not as a first refeed meal after a five-day fast. And again, I cannot stress enough the importance of breaking your prolonged fast properly. This is really more important than the fasting itself. When you break a fast, your body is so sensitive and it will absorb whatever you put in it, meaning the good and the bad. So put good stuff in your body so you don't feel terrible, like sluggish, or it can cause you like some GI issues, diarrhea, and so forth. So anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Let me know if you have any questions. You can DM me on Instagram. And I have some awesome episodes for the next few times. And I'm excited to share all the value with you guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, share it on your social media, and be sure to leave a review on iTunes. Follow Monica on Instagram at fit.fat.hotaf and on Twitter at fitfathotaf.